Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, we have a God who in Jesus comes to us and was tempted in every way as we are, but was without sin. So we pray that, we pray in his name that you will speak to us now about handling the different temptations in life that come our way. Have your way in our lives, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is obviously the first Sunday in Lent, and our theme is temptation and how to handle it. So I'm going to start with three quotes about temptation. The first one is very well known. The second one, not so much, but by another popular writer. And the third one, by a preacher. Here we go. The best known, Oscar Wilde. I can resist everything except temptation. We know that was true in his life as well as in his writing. H.L. Mencken wrote, Temptation is an irresistible force at work on a movable object. A movable object. That's us. The preacher, Charles Stanley, wrote this. Too many Christians have a commitment of convenience They'll stay faithful as long as it's safe and doesn't involve risk or rejection or criticism. Instead of standing alone in the face of temptation or challenge, they check to see which way their friends are going. Of course, our focus today is not just on temptation in a general sense, it's in particular We're looking at uh, the temptation of Jesus and what he wants to teach us. So please turn to page 1116, uh, Matthew 4, 1116. Temptation of Jesus came just after this, just after Jesus' baptism, and he must have been on something of a spiritual high. After all, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son whom I loved, with him, with whom I love, Within, with him I am well pleased. What a wonderful thing to hear your dad say that and to know that everybody else all around you has heard him say that as well. The voice tells us something about who Jesus is and why he matters. He's God's son. We should take him seriously. And it tells us, and it it told Jesus that God loved him. He was pleased with him. What a wonderful affirmation for Jesus. As I said, it was a real spiritual high, and often spiritual highs are followed by a, we talk about a down-to-earth moment, don't we? sometimes by a time of testing and that's what happens in this case just after this then the holy spirit note that it's the holy spirit who does it it's not anybody else the holy spirit leads jesus into the desert for a time of physical testing and just as hard work builds up physical muscle so spiritual testing sometimes builds up spiritual muscle that's why jesus went into the desert. 
it's interesting that, as I say, it's the Holy Spirit who leads him there, who prompts him to go. It's not God who does the tempting, because God isn't like that. God doesn't do that. But I want to note that the temptation itself is nothing wrong with temptation. We all face temptation. The only thing that can be wrong is how we respond to it. Maybe we give in when we shouldn't. All through the years of their relationship with God, then Israel had faced, and of course often failed, uh, various tests. And here Jesus, the true Israel, is being led by the Spirit into the desert, and he also faces a test. The test comes in this form. We know the devil comes knocking. And uh, we know that because the, uh, the passage tells us that uh, Jesus was hungry. Uh, verse 2, after fasting for 40 nights and 40 nights, he was hungry. I'm sure he was. Uh, and that's when the devil comes knocking. Temptation often comes at a time when we're feeling weak and vulnerable at a bit of a low ebb. Not at our strongest point, but maybe at our weakest point. The Bible teaches that Jesus was tempted, as I said in my prayer at the beginning, in every way as we are, yet was without sin. Those are words from Hebrews. So it starts when Jesus is at a low ebb, and then come the three temptations. Look at them. Verse 3, the first one. Uh, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, um, then prove yourself. Uh, you could turn these stones into bread. Actually, I'll just grab it on uh, Thursday at Sunday because we were looking at some, looking at some, we had some stones and we were decorating the top of them and stuff like that, but leaving the bottom there and on mine and writing something that we were going to say for Lent about the stones becoming bread. On the bottom of mine it says, no fizzy drinks. Okay? So you know, you know if you see me drinking a fizzy drink, that I'm uh, falling into temptation. Jesus could prove himself to the devil. He could have turned those stones into bread. But he doesn't. Instead of ending his hunger and showing Satan a thing or two, he uh, says, well, well, I'll come back to what he says. The second temptation, look at verse 6. Again, it begins with the word if. If you're the son of God, he says, throw yourself down because God will look after you. You'll be fine. Uh, and uh, he's obviously up on a high place at the beginning of this. You, you can read, read the details of that in the passage. God will protect you. And the devil is actually using, uses the words from Psalm 91. The devil knows this Bible too. And uh, can be, you can misread well, uh, verses if you just take them in isolation sometimes. And that is what the devil is doing here. He's saying to Jesus, show me something really spectacular. So 
Both those first and those second temptations are really hitting at Jesus' identity and his status, his security. And if you're the son of God, blah, blah, blah. Well, Jesus could, if he was, need, need, if he was feeling insecure, he might try and prove himself, but he doesn't. Look at verse, well, verse 8 and 9. And uh, he's taken to another high place and he's shown all the kingdoms of the world. And this is a, a temptation about power and compromise. All this, all you see in front of you could be yours. The devil says, if you just bow down and worship me. Again, the word if comes in all of those three. Note that all those three temptations use the word if. It's just two letters in the English language, but it's very, they're very powerful ones, very significant ones. If you're the son of God and so on. Temptations often start in a small way. Temptations often start like this, actually, just questioning our identity and our status. If you're really who you say you are, you could prove it, and so on. Maybe you've heard something along the lines of, if you're really a Christian, then God will forgive you, uh, so you can, do, you can go ahead and do this. The picture on the door is the knocker. Knocker, the knock comes. When the knock comes on the door, we can do various things, of course. Sometimes we, we, we go to the door and say, oh, come in, great to see you, and so on. Sometimes we might want to say, go to the door and say, not today, thank you. Or sometimes we might just say directly, go away. Go away, resisting the temptation that comes knocking. Now, just as those temptations had something in common uh, with the word if, so Jesus' responses in verse 4 and verse 7 and verse 10 all have something in common. Jesus quotes scripture, and it's not just some well-known bit of scripture that uh, he could know easily. It's quite an obscure bit, actually. Maybe Jesus had been having his quiet times in the early chapters of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, 7, 8, that's where, where this comes from. Jesus says each time, it is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus knew the scriptures well, but he didn't just know them. Yeah, he also understood them fully. And... More than that, he lived them out, and he died and rose. Even, this, even his death and resurrection are described in advance in the scriptures, and he refers back to those, even as those awful things are happening. Jesus was equipped to use those scriptures in responding to temptation. If Tessa used a lovely phrase when she was preaching on this passage a while back. She talked about being, being marinated in the scriptures and uh, knowing them really well, having them soaked in. 
the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism and uh, it took those scriptures that Jesus read and helped him to use them as a weapon. Uh, in the armour of God, we sometimes talk about that in, uh, in Ephesians, and there's various things. There's the belt of truth, there's the, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness, uh, to take our stand, the, sh you know, the shield of faith uh, with, which to extend, ex with which to resist all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation. And I guess, in some respect, those are all, all defensive things. But there's something, the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, that's, that's offensive. That's to, to get out of that is, Later on in the Bible, it talks about how it can penetrate uh, even to soul and spirit, uh, we're told by, by the writers of the Hebrews. The sword of the Spirit, Jesus is given God's Word to use as a weapon. Here's, a, here's a, an example of uh, somebody who is, is using God's word, being marinated in it. We, like Jesus, can be equipped with God's word. It doesn't happen instantly. This doesn't happen instantly. You buy a Bible and you know, the pages are nice and clean. Uh, but look at the different pens and colours and scribblings that have been used. And the person has probably come back to that at different times and uh, just said, what can I learn through this today that is maybe different? What do you want to teach me today that's different from what I've learned in the past? There's lots, actually, this is the book of Ephesians, uh, so there's lots here about the armour of God. The owner of this Bible was digging deep into the scriptures to find a way uh, best way to live and to deal with uh, temptation. The Bible has something relevant to say about every issue and challenge we face. Of course there are things that don't come up specifically in the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible about brain surgery and life support machines and so on. But there's plenty about life being precious. There's plenty about people mattering to God there's plenty about God wanting people to use their gifts and skills for other people. And all that is very relevant uh, to the subject of medical care. Of course, there are, there are loads of things the Bible doesn't say much about, or anything about specifically, but it says a lot um, in terms of the principles that we can bring to those. Let's have an example of one thing. This picture you might have seen before, because I've used it before. Um, a word that doesn't appear in the Bible is computer. But the Bible does have a lot to say that's relevant to how we use our computers. Philippians 4. Uh, if things are pure and lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, and so on, then think on these things and the picture here is an advert for a bit of software that I sometimes well it's on my computer and permanently and uh, I recommend it to you and to anybody actually I often do this um, it, what it says what we do online impacts our lives offline 
with covenant eyes, then a Christian friend and I, we uh, act as accountability partners for each other. And we each receive a weekly report about the websites the other one visits and, and so on. And I, yeah, occasionally it occurs to me, maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't look at that because um, uh, the, the, the person who's my accountability partner, who's a long-standing friend, will ask me about that and I'd feel a bit uncomfortable with that and therefore I stay away. My accountability partner and I do that for each other and you'll know from some of the pictures that I show week after week when occasionally I've, I cho I've chosen something which you can imagine that, that, that word in Google might throw up some unhelpful things as well. Occasionally I mention those and uh, yeah, I, we often ask each other about things that we've chosen for sermon illustrations. Now we're friends with each other and we're willing to uh, just challenge each other by thinking about temptation. All that's just computers, but um, maybe you don't use them as much as I do. I use them a lot, although many people use computers a lot these days. This picture shows the kind of temptation that everyone faces in different ways. Temptations that just come from human interaction. The shows, picture shows just two people working together. There's nothing wrong with a conversation. There's nothing wrong with a conversation with somebody who's attractive. But temptations sometimes creep in. Maybe small things, uh, for example, just taking a lunch break together, wondering, maybe, maybe a small thing leads to a bigger thing. It might be nothing to do with um, sexual temptation or anything like that. It might be conspiring against a colleague or a client or something like that. It might be fiddling expenses or exaggerating hours. All those kind of things do happen. We know they do. But sometimes something that starts small, maybe there's something about uh, say, well, let's just go out for a drink and uh, discuss that. And uh, something, sometimes one thing leads to another and a, and a couple of people, these two, might end up in the, in the same bed uh, when that's not a good idea. I can remember one time in Russia when I was kind of propositioned by an interpreter and uh, in one way it's flattering, but uh, I think she was quite shocked by my response, which was along the way of no way, uh, and running a mile. Um, I, I, I think we, 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 fa we do face those temptations. It started, that started off in a small way, but it could have become something so much bigger. There are 101 other things that start small and can end up big. Don't know what it is for you, but I know for absolute certain that the Bible has something relevant to say about all the temptations that we face. So this is the image I want to end with. If the Bible says avoid those temptations, and remember Jesus taught things like lead us not into temptation, that was important enough to him that in the Sermon on the Mount he made that part of what we call the Lord's Prayer. So my last picture is this one. It's about saying no. It's about uh, 
saying to the sin that comes knocking, or temptation that comes knocking, beat it. Get lost. Go away. There's three things that uh, the passage shows us are a help. Prayer helps. Jesus taught us that Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. So prayer, God's word helps us. That's the, it's the word that Jesus quotes and uh, he points out in avoiding the temptations that come his way, he points out it is written and so on. That's enough of a reason to resist temptation. And the third thing is that God's spirit helps us. So prayer, word and spirit. The spirit prompts us, the spirit gives us courage to respond to temptation. Uh, one of the things that uh, Becky and I, as I've said before, usually pray for each other or ask each other for something to pray about for the other one at the beginning of the day. And yesterday, I asked Becky for, just pray for discernment, that when such and such a challenge comes up, I'll know if, when, what to say and uh, how to respond. And uh, God's Spirit was prompting me when it came to do that later in the day. A tight, tricky situation. It's up to us how we respond to temptation, but God equips us with prayer, with Bible, with spirit. So we're not powerless, we're not passive victims when we're faced with temptation. Uh, even when circumstances are challenging and tempting, we do have choices. Jesus came through his test of temptation with flying colors. Look at the bottom of the passage, it says, um, it's written, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, then it says, the devil left him and angels came and attended him. His relationship with God, with his dad, was intact. Not just intact, it was actually strengthened because he leaned on his father for strength. And Jesus, in experiencing those angels coming and uh, blessing him, knew something of that blessing of God and that reminder, I suppose, in that about God's love. We too can have our relationship with God strengthened by testing. And the purpose of Lent is not masochistic, but it is to remind us of what matters the most. That's God. And that's why we dig deep into his words, so we know it, so we live it. We lean on his Holy Spirit. So as we go through Lent over the next few weeks, then I hope each of us will find that our relationship with God grows stronger. Every time we say no to a temptation or a sin, then basically what we're doing is uh, just making God a, a bit more important 
in our lives. We're partnering with God in dealing with those things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that um, we, don't, uh, we don't have to guess what you're like. Jesus shows what you're like. And he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So we pray that uh, we're sorry for the times when we've fallen into temptation and sinned. Thank you that you're a forgiving God. We pray, please, when temptation comes knocking, you will help us to respond as you would. In Jesus' name. Amen.